happy Amazon Prime Day. We haven't talked about that yet today. Oh, is that the, does it start today or tomorrow? Is uh, it? Um, I thought it was 11 I mean, to 13, but I, I could be wrong. It's today and tomorrow. Today, oh, 10 and 11. Okay. <laughs> I was wrong on both counts. Fair enough. <laughs> uh, yeah. Shows you how much I plan on spending on Amazon Prime Day. Uh, I'm getting the emails. I logged in to Amazon to see what they're offering me. Um, that may be how some of you are wasting time at work today. But we have some uh, police in L.A. that were playing Pokemon Go while they were supposed to be you know, protecting and serving. Oh, it's so much worse too. I mean, uh, we we now know, I mean, you know, what what happens on the coast. Unfortunately, filters down here to the middle of the country every so often, and uh, so I mean, the idea of these flash mob robberies is no longer foreign to us. We get it. We know that sometimes large groups of people get together and they all storm into like a Macy's or a Nordstrom or whatever and grab everything they can, overwhelming whatever security exists and whatever employees are there, grab everything they can in a very short period of time and then head for the exits and drive off. We we know that happens. That's actually been happening in California for a fairly long time, which goes back to this case in 2017. So a call goes out from LAPD, from dispatch, to all officers who are otherwise unoccupied to go to this Macy's where one of these flash mob robberies was underway. Two officers who were in the area didn't. And surveillance video from their own patrol cars, which was just recently released by LAPD in the interest of expediency, you know, six years later, <laughs> um, that, that showed these guys sitting in their patrol cars talking to each other about how to catch a Snorlax. Is that a Pokemon? That, 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 that is a Pokemon. Pokemon it's, it's a big Got cat. It. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah, that's uh, the, the, and, and the police captain drove by them. Uh -huh. And was in his car going, I wonder why those guys aren't responding to this all-hands call that we've got down the street where the Macy's is under siege. And found out later that, yes, it was because they were both either playing or discussing Pokemon Go. Uh, the officers claimed they had not heard the radio request for backup. I wonder why. <laughs> but video footage from inside the patrol car captures the moment when one of these officers could be heard saying, Ah, screw it, in <laughs> reference to the request, yes. according to the court filings. Oh, come on. Uh, they there's, were fired. There's a Moltres <laughs> right around here. I know there is. I can feel it. I'm not going to a robbery call. <laughs> 17 years is how long one had been on the force. Seven years is how long the other one had been on the force. And do you not do you not do they not remember that there are cameras in these cars yeah. that are recording everything that's going on and that you're gonna get caught especially, if that's what you say? Especially with something like that where there's a big huge thing going on and and you say, Oh, screw it. Uh yeah, that's that's the kind of thing they're gonna look back on. And when the captain just happens to drive by and see your car sitting there with nothing else going on. Yeah, they're going to look back through that uh, that video footage. They called the incident unprofessional and embarrassing, saying that yeah. they violated the public's trust and the two officers are now referred to as former officers. And the former officer's attorney, Greg something, said his clients were treated unfairly, saying <laughs> LAPD broke its own rules by using the private dash cam recording 
to prove their misconduct? Uh, I'd like to raise my hand here and ask a question. <laughs> yes, sir. Um, yes. It's it's a police car. It's not yeah. your car. Right. So how is the dash cam video private? Yeah, I think there's a, a, a confusion of terms there that it's, it's probably yeah. not. It's... Um, now, I do wonder what the rule was that he's referring to, that they broke their own rules in using the dash cam to prove their... What's, what are the rules that they had uh-huh. in place that we don't know the answer to that? But, um, yeah. He says so the, I hope it was a fun game. The, he also says the officers were improperly interviewed without legal or labor representation, which means they didn't have their PBA rep with them. Um, okay. But, you know, that's kind of their fault. Right. Um, if you want legal or labor representation, you can say, I'm not answering any questions without my PBA rep or my lawyer here. Just stop talking. I mean, isn't that the advice we're given? If you're <laughs> yeah. accused of a crime, shut, yeah. shut your mouth until your lawyer gets there. So wouldn't a cop know that? And know that that's your, that you, if you are covered by a union, I would assume you know that you're going to call your, especially if you're a police officer, yeah. you're going to call your union rep before anybody talks to you. If you don't know that, I know that about police. Watch enough cop shows and that shows up enough. I know that. How do they not know that? That's yeah. on them. <laughs> yes, indeed. And as somebody pointed out on the, out on the text line, now they have plenty of time to go and catch them all. <laughs> so yes. way to go, Ash. Uh, you can now look for another police gig somewhere other than LAPD. So tell us about the ways that you have wasted time. I hope that you're not missing out on a crime in the time that you're wasting. But like when you have downtime at work or if you're supposed to be doing your job, what are the things that you're doing I, in order to uh, kill that time? I mean, with us, it's it's kind of difficult, right? Because yeah. if if we're not paying attention to what's going on on the show, it's pretty Very obvious. obvious. Yes. Yeah, so we kind of have to be engaged with this thing. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, things do come along, especially during prep time in the morning, because oh. it's the first thing for both of us. It's, it, you know, mm -hmm. we're, we're just kind of waking up. We're just kind of, okay, what happened while I was asleep? What do I need to know about for the show? And sometimes you get to something and you'll see some kind of thread about a, a story that you're looking into and then just follow that thread and it just goes off into a million different directions. You get totally distracted and then realize, ooh, wait, I have a show to put together. <laughs> uh, I should probably get my head back in the game. We are also not bound to certain hours in which we have to prep. No, that's true. Like, I lay on my couch sometimes at night when I can't sleep during the night. And so it's it's okay if I get distracted because I'm not bound to certain certain times to do it. Now, sometimes I'll get distracted because I'm up so early. Sometimes I'll get distracted at like 6.30, walk away for 30 minutes and realize, oh yeah, I was in the middle of reading about stuff 30 minutes ago <laughs> when I went to go <laughs> right. take dishes out of the dishwasher. I, I love this. Somebody just said, I waste time at work by texting you guys. <laughs> we know it. <laughs> Thank you. We uh, know because you can't call us. We'll no. often say, well, why don't you call and make your point? You'll say, I can't, I'm at work. Yeah, and I'm not picking on you on this, but I know, I mean, my, my, one of my favorite things is when somebody who who is working and screwing off by texting the show gets mad at one of us and said, you're unprofessional. You're texting yep. a radio show while you're at work. So <laughs> yeah, right. But um, yeah, I, I had a boss many, many years ago who was, uh, we used to refer to her as the Tetris queen. She would sit there all day. Now, in her defense, she wasn't really 
technically wasting time because in her job, she also produced the morning show. So yeah. she would have to put out all these calls about you know trying to put together the show the next day and then didn't really have anything else to do until people called her back. So she'd yeah. sit there at her desk playing Tetris. She was a she was like the Billy the Kid of Tetris players. It was incredible. How many of you are on Amazon today? Yeah. Be honest about it. How many of you are buying stuff on Prime today? Doing a little shopping at work, yeah. I mean, I'm just glancing to see what they're offering. Hey. I mean, there's a lot of tech deals there. Um, let's see, some kitchen stuff that could be interesting. I just, I don't, I get it, I get distracted too easily that if I start looking at this, you've lost me for the next 45 minutes. <laughs> so I can't look until after two o'clock. Same thing, like yesterday I started looking at, I think, yeah, I just, brain just goes in a thousand directions. Yesterday we were talking about, why were we talking about Samoa? An American Samoa yesterday. It came up oh, in a because story of, because somewhere. Of, yeah, because of Puerto Rico putting USA on the driver's licenses. So then during that commercial break, I had the map up because I wanted to see. I needed to see like how far apart they were. Yeah, well, then there were those little blue photo dots. Right close next to each other, yeah. Yeah, that show you, like you can click on the little photo dots. Then I realized the little photo dots also exist underwater. So you can see like what the reef looks like. And I'm, <laughs> oh, I wonder what that would be like to scuba dive because uh -huh. I've never seen the pictures of it in that. That was the commercial break. Oh, yeah. Well, the worst for me is targeted ads because, oh. because we open so many news stories a day. Yeah. And the ads are all targeted. The hilarious thing is, I mean, it always, of course, hits me with ads from Reverb.com, which, as I've said before, is like eBay for musicians. Okay. That's really all they do. So, yeah, I'll open a news story about the LAPD releasing video of, you know, cops ignoring a robbery to play Pokemon Go. And there's three ads across the top of the page. And I'll go, dude, a Les Paul. Ooh. <laughs> you know, it's like, I like that. My favorite is when they hit me with ads from Reverb. That's my stuff that I'm selling. It's like, uh, no, yeah. I, I don't need to buy that. I'm already selling that. Thanks. Uh, by the way, I'm being told President Biden's set to speak at any moment here. So we're going to keep yakking until he so takes the podium. Anytime. As soon as we go to a break is when he'll right. so he'll start. Anytime in the next 45 minutes, <laughs> he, should, he should make his way to the podium and have some remarks. I mean, I, we're goofing on this because they're, they're always so late on these oh, things. Yeah. Not because of the serious nature of what he's about to say. I mean, th this is definitely something that's worth listening into. It's just a matter of get on with it. Um, okay, so for a second here, we can talk about this. Um, the Daily Mail put up now the story about the second aircraft carrier that we're gonna that we're considering. The Gerald, um, oh, the second one, yes. Yeah, uh, Gerald Ford's already mobilized another aircraft carrier. The USS Dwight D. Eisenhower was already scheduled to travel to the Middle East, and now could be deployed alongside the Gerald Ford. And one of our um, texters said that the Gerald Ford is uh, one of the newest and most highly advanced carriers in the fleet. So thank you for that, uh, and I, I have no reason to doubt it. I know it's a fairly new ship. It also says this that is the world's largest warship, the Gerald Ford. Wow. Um, let's see. I'm looking for more details about this new one. Uh, Defense Secretary said Sunday he ordered the Ford Carrier Strike Group to be ready. We knew that part already. Tell me more about if, if I'm not mistaken, the Eisenhower is the the flagship of its own class of carriers. I believe they are called the Eisenhower class. Uh, again, I, I couldn't swear to it, but something in my brain is telling me that that's the case. So it's also going to be one of the jewels in the crown uh, as far as the as far as the naval service and aircraft carriers are concerned. Five thousand sailors. Yeah, that's, on the Gerald Ford. Okay, that's big. 
All right, Colin tells me we can take a break because maybe it looked like he was going to walk up to the podium pretty quickly and now we don't know again. So we'll take a break. We'll see where we are with this coming up next on KMBZ. Phone number here, 913-586-7798. Okay, the last time we talked about pharmacists walking off the job, uh, it was CVS. Now we're talking about Walgreens pharmacists that have walked off the job earlier this week at stores around the country. And again, the CVS locations, really we had a spotlight on Kansas City when they walked out. And again, we're having trouble with um, pharmacy workers at Walgreens. It's, it's very similar. They want more staff. Some customers said every industry is short staffed right now. So what's the difference with you? We have customers that are hard time getting a hold of the drugs they need. And pharmacists that don't want to do the job. Yeah, and uh, they they made they made sure to make a couple of things clear. And the one thing we want to make clear uh, before we get too far into this is that so far. We don't know yet if any of the pharmacists at any of the Walgreens in the Kansas City area are going to take part in the walkout. Right. It's, it's countrywide, but it's not going to be every Walgreens. It's not going to be every pharmacy. It's, it may not even be every city. So we're just going to have to wait and see where all of that goes. But you're right. The one thing that they wanted to make clear uh, at the outset of this is that they are not striking they're they're not uh, asking for more money. They're not asking for better benefits or more leave or anything like that. The only thing that they're saying is that they don't believe the pharmacists themselves do not believe that Walgreens uh, and to your point a, a month or two ago, CVS are doing their own due diligence to try to hire more staff for the pharmacies. They're just saying we're short staffed. We get a run of people and there's a pharmacist and one assistant back here. We can't handle that because somebody's got to take the orders and run the register and all of the rest of it. So if if they don't hire more people, we're just being stretched too thin. And when things like that happen, that's where mistakes get made. And that's scary. You don't want that person in that job no. making a mistake like that. Uh, so some employees told CNN that a new focus on vaccinations added to their workload and made it more difficult to focus on filling prescriptions or customer care. They said management focuses too much on profit. Welcome to a business. Find me a business that doesn't focus (laughs) too much on profit. Uh, Facing constant disruptions to their workflow that prevent them from making decisions about how appropriate a treatment might be for a patient. They say when they take their complaints to management, nothing happens. No. And... Uh, I, you know, I don't know what the solution to this is because I, I can also see an organization like Walgreens saying, okay, that's when there's a rush, but 90% of the time you're here, there isn't one. So, I mean, we're not going to uh, hire six people per shift when they're only needed for an hour of an eight-hour shift. Okay, so then I, um, I don't, Maybe I don't know what to believe here. That makes sense to me that a, any pharmacy is going to have busier times, like when people get off work or the lunch hour or in the morning, just like any business is going to have busier times. Yep. So restaurants during their their busy times, they put more servers on because they are busier. I mean, usually any business that has more customers at a certain time puts more staff on. Do they not have the staff to put more pharmacists on during the busy times? Uh, yeah, yeah, maybe not. And uh, and it's, it's not as simple as that either because it's not like even if there's no customers there, 
Right. You still have things to do. You still have orders that are coming in all the time from doctors that electronically send the prescription to you. Get those filled. Get them in the bins ready for the people when they show up. And and most of the time they do. I mean, I happen to use CVS as my pharmacy. Okay, so, I'm being told that are, are we President going? Biden is that we're ready to. Oh, Colin says we're close. They're sorry. They're, I didn't mean they're to. showing the podium on TV. So, yeah, <laughs> you're, we're getting there. Something's going to okay, happen. Here we go. But uh, yeah, here we go. Are we going? Okay, we'll go now. Here is ABC News correspondent Alex Stone. Good day to you. As the atrocities we're learning about become worse, with over 900 people confirmed dead in Israel and the war appearing to escalate, we're about to hear from President Biden for the first time since Saturday reacting to what is unfolding. The president just getting off the phone with Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu. We are waiting for him to walk into the room right now along with the vice president. That fighting has been escalating in Israel. They've been working to figure out the response to the the terror attack, what that response will be, if any, from Israel, what the U.S. is going to do as well. It is now confirmed Americans are among the dead in that fighting. It's feared they are among those who were kidnapped by Hamas terrorists as well and carried into Gaza. We are waiting for the president to walk out right now as he is appearing to walk up to the lectern with the vice president behind him, walking up now to address the nation. You know, there are moments in this life, and I mean this literally, when the pure, unadulterated evil is unleashed on this world. The people of Israel lived through one such moment this weekend. The bloody hands of the terrorist organization Hamas, a group whose stated purpose for being is to kill Jews. This was an act of sheer evil. More than 1,000 civilians slaughtered, not just killed, slaughtered in Israel. Among them, at least 14 American citizens killed. Parents butchered using their bodies to try to protect their children. Stomach-turning reports of babies being killed, entire families slain, young people massacred while attending a musical festival to celebrate peace, to celebrate peace. Women raped, assaulted, paraded as trophies. Families hid their fear for hours and hours, desperately trying to keep their children quiet to avoid drawing attention. And thousands of wounded alive, but carrying with them the bullet holes and the shrapnel wounds and the memory of what they endured. You all know these traumas never go away. There's still so many families desperately waiting to hear the fate of their loved ones, not knowing if they're alive or dead or hostages. Infants in their mother's arms, grandparents in wheelchairs, Holocaust survivors abducted and held hostage. Hostages whom Hamas has now threatened to execute in violation of every code of human morality. It's abhorrent. The brutality of Hamas, these bloodthirstiness brings to mind the worst, the worst rampages of ISIS. This is terrorism. But sadly, for the Jewish people, it's not new. This attack has brought to the surface painful memories and the scars left by a millennia of anti-Semitism and genocide of the Jewish people. So in this moment, 
we must be crystal clear. We stand with Israel. We stand with Israel. And we will make sure Israel has what it needs to take care of its citizens, defend itself, and respond to this attack. There's no justification for terrorism. There's no excuse. Hamas does not stand for the Palestinian people's right to dignity and self-determination. Its stated purpose is the annihilation of the State of Israel and the murder of Jewish people. They use Palestinian civilians as human shields. Hamas offers nothing but terror and bloodshed with no regard to who pays the price. The loss of innocent life is heartbreaking. Like every nation in the world, Israel has the right to respond, indeed has a duty to respond to these vicious attacks. I just got off the phone with a third call with Prime Minister Netanyahu, and I told him, the United States experience with Israel experiencing, our response would be swift, decisive, and overwhelming. We also discussed how democracies like Israel and the United States are stronger and more secure when we act according to the rule of law. Terrorists purposely target civilians, kill them. We uphold the laws of war, the law of war. It matters. There's a difference. Today, Americans across the country are praying for all those families that have been ripped apart. A lot of us know how it feels. It leaves a black hole in your chest when you lose family feeling like you're being sucked in, the anger, the pain, the sense of hopelessness. This is what they mean by a human tragedy, an atrocity on an appalling scale. We're going to continue to stand united, supporting the people of Israel who are suffering unspeakable losses and opposing the hatred and violence of terrorism. My team has been in near constant communication with our Israeli partners and partners all across the region and the world from the moment this crisis began. We're surging additional military assistance, including ammunition and interceptors to replenish Iron Dome. We're going to make sure that Israel does not run out of these critical assets to defend its cities and its citizens. My administration has consulted closely with Congress throughout this crisis. And when Congress returns, we're going to ask them to take urgent action to fund the national security requirements of our critical partners. This is not about party or politics. This is about the security of our world, the security of the United States of America. We now know that American citizens are among those being held by Hamas. I've directed my team to share intelligence and deploy additional experts from across the United States government to consult with and advise Israeli counterparts on hostage recovery, recovery efforts. Because as President, I have no higher priority than the safety of Americans being held hostage around the world. The United States has also enhanced our military force posture in the region to strengthen our deterrence. 
the Department of Defense has moved the USS Gerald R. Ford Carrier Strike Group to the Eastern Mediterranean and bolstered our fighter aircraft presence. And we stand ready to move in additional assets as needed. Let me say again to any country, any organization, anyone thinking of taking advantage of this situation, I have one word. Don't. Don't. Our hearts may be broken, but our resolve is clear. Yesterday, I also spoke with the leaders of France, Germany, Italy, and UK to discuss the latest developments with our European allies and coordinate our united response. This comes on top of days of steady engagement with partners across the region. We're also taking steps at home in cities across the United States of America. Police departments have stepped up. Security around centers for, of Jewish life. And the Department of Homeland Security and the Federal Bureau of Investigation are working closely with state and local law enforcement and Jewish community partners to identify and disrupt any domestic threat that could emerge in connection with these horrific attacks. This is a moment for the United States to come together, to grieve with those who are mourning. Let's be real clear. There is no place for hate in America, not against Jews, not against Muslims, not against anybody. We reject, we reject, what we reject is terrorism. We condemn the indiscriminate evil, just as we've always done. That's what America stands for. You know, just over 50 years ago, I was thinking about it this morning, talking to the Secretary of State, the Vice President in my office. Over 50 years ago, as a young senator, I visited Israel for the first time as a newly elected senator. And I had a long, long trip a meeting with Golda Meir in her office just before the Yom Kippur War. And I guess she could see the consternation on my face as she described what was being faced they were facing. We walked outside in that, uh, that sort of hallway outside her office to have some photos. She looked at me all of a sudden and said, would you like to have a photograph? And so I got up and followed her out. We were standing there silent, looking at the press. She could tell, I guess, I was concerned. She leaned over and whispered to me. She said, don't worry, Senator Biden. We have a secret weapon here in Israel. My word is what she said. We have no place else to go. We have no place else to go. For 75 years, Israel has stood as the ultimate guarantor of the security of Jewish people around the world so that the atrocities of the past could never happen again. And let there be no doubt the United States has Israel's back. We will make sure the Jewish and democratic state of Israel can defend itself today, tomorrow, as we always have. It's as simple as that. These atrocities have been sickening. We're with Israel. Let's make no mistake. Thank you. Mr. President, what was your reaction? Uh, President Biden there um, in a speech addressing 
the conflict in Israel. This was supposed to be about an hour and a half ago. He described some of what's been happening in the last 90 minutes. I think we're going to wait. Um, it sounds like there's nothing major going on with traffic, so we'll wait and kind of hold off on that. If we hear anything about that, we'll pass that on. We'll just recap this here for a little bit um, yeah. because there was a lot that came out of that. Just a couple of um, points of information that came out that we didn't know or that I didn't know. 14 U.S. civilians killed is what that number is up to. 10 is the last number I had heard. Um, and he confirmed American citizens are being held hostage by Hamas terrorists. And, of course, under threat as a result of yeah. that. Uh, I mean, if they've already killed 14, there's no reason to believe that they wouldn't kill more if given the opportunity. And and uh, I, I was struck by a couple of things. Um the first was that it was a very powerful statement about Hamas. Uh, a little curious that he didn't mention Hezbollah, uh, given the fact that they have also allegedly been involved in a lot of this. But for him to come out as strongly as he did, uh, you're labeling Hamas once again a terrorist organization, uh, placing this directly at their feet and and separating them. And this was, a, I think, a very astute political point, separating Hamas from the Palestinian people and bringing up instances, and he's absolutely correct about this, where Hamas has used Palestinians as human shields, um, hiding behind them because they know if, you know, if, if retaliation comes that it's going to kill innocent civilians around them. Everything that they have done is right out of a terrorist playbook. So the president was very strong in his remarks about that, about uh, dealing with them. And the, the other thing that I think stuck out, even though there was no specifics given, there were, pardon me, were no specifics given about this, is uh, referring to those carrier strike groups and then saying that we will use force as we are called upon to do so. Yeah, I, I wrote down swift, decisive, and overwhelming. Yeah. That, will that's, be our response. Right. And 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 he advised Netanyahu to do exactly the same thing, that if if we were victims of the same kind of violence, that's what our response would be. And so the, the idea of use of U.S. force, uh, he made reference several times to all of the munitions and everything else that continue to go uh, to Israel to replace the Iron Dome. Um, and just a quick word on that, in, in the interest of clarity, the Iron Dome is a, uh, a system of interceptor missiles and other devices that are designed when the rocket attacks come from the Gaza or come from the West Bank to intercept those rockets before they hit the ground. Uh, so there is no actual Iron Dome. It, it's just the nickname for that anti-missile system that Israel has in place, which up till now has been relatively successful um, in, in attacks past and certainly over the last few days. But as this one has been much more um, militaristically, it, it, it's been a much larger effort on uh, on the part of Hamas than they've been called upon to do some things that they've never had to do before. So as as they continue to utilize those supplies, we're continuing to resupply them. So, again, as far as what we know in terms of military response, I didn't hear him address the, the Eisenhower. Did you? Did I miss uh, it? He, he did mention it. Uh, he said that the the, uh, the USS Gerald Ford was already there and that another carrier okay. group was was headed in that direction. Uh, and by the way, uh, just to correct myself from earlier, we were uh, talking about the Eisenhower, and I thought initially that was a part of its own class. It's not. That's actually one of the last Nimitz-class carriers, which were, before the Gerald Ford class came out, the Nimitz-class, dating back to the late 60s and early 70s, those were the the big muscle that we had in the Navy. It's now the Ford class. 
So what we don't know yet is whether the Eisenhower is going to go in place of the Ford and the Ford will leave or whether this will be in addition to the Gerald Ford that hasn't been clarified yet. I'm looking for I'm on the a couple of websites about the Eisenhower just to get when you talk about floating city, it really is fascinating when they talk about 5000 people that live in the city and that 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 ship can just go. And um, do we know where it's coming in from? Uh, no, that's that's a good yeah. Where it was deployed before now, I don't know. Uh, How long is it going to take to get there? And and likely somewhere in the Mediterranean. But uh, yeah, again, uh, don't keep track of ship movements all that much. But it seems like yeah, you would you would use. Uh, it's based in Newport News, Virginia. So I mean, oh. there's a chance that it came from there. Uh, that it had okay. uh, that it was not out anywhere. Uh, but it seems like what you would want to do is anything you have in the region or close will be headed there. I just got to tell you, um, I'm not going to repeat some of what I'm seeing on Twitter about reports that are coming out. It's just too graphic for me to talk about, mm -hmm. quite frankly. Um, but it's when you talk about what is happening to babies and what is happening to kids and what is happening to women. Um, there are verbs that I just don't want to use sure. in terms of what's happening, and but it's, it's, it's the worst of anything you can think of. Yeah. And that was also another powerful part of that statement from the president, because he did, uh, make reference to exactly the, the kinds of things that are happening, uh, not in graphic detail, but noted parents, I believe his word was parents being butchered as they were trying to shield their own children. Yeah. Uh, and those are images that you just, you can't get out of your head once they're there. But when, and and what has made this particular series of attacks by Hamas, um, why this escalated as far as it did and why this is being called a war now and not just another series of terrorist attacks like we've seen in the past, is the fact that it was so coordinated with airstrikes and with ground forces infiltrating uh you know, over the fences or through the fences and into Israel proper, that the fact that it was an attack that took place both high and low like that, that put it in a very different category than anything we've seen really since the early 70s. All right, we need to get to a break. Um, some of you are getting very opinionated on the text line. Feel free to call. We'll have a few minutes here before we turn this over at 2 o'clock. 913-586-7798. We'll be back here to wrap the hour next on KMBZ. 913-586-7798. Uh, again, if you missed it, President Biden spent, oh, about 10 or 12 minutes uh, addressing the nation about the latest in Israel. John, you were right about the USS Eisenhower. Norfolk. Uh, off the coast of Virginia Beach. Yeah, Norfolk. Okay, yeah. So. Uh, and and the, uh, the Ford, it was a matter of uh, proximity because yeah. it was already deployed in the Ionian Sea just on the other side of Italy. So it didn't have very far to go to get into the eastern Mediterranean and a little bit closer to Israel. Yeah, 12 days ago was the latest location of I have it. Same place, just off the coast of Italy mm -hmm. for that one. So, yeah, it was nearby. Taking your calls, what do you think? Back to it. And Hannah in Kansas City is going to join us next. Hi, Hannah. Hey, uh, so wonderful. I hope you're both having an excellent day. So far, so good. Um, I, I am happy to hear that uh, the United States is coming out and taking a stance against terrorism, not just on our own homeland, but um, across the ocean. <laughs> uh, I also wanted to say real quick that I hope that as a community of Americans, we can stand behind um, the Jewish people, the females, the children, the babies that are all being persecuted by this terrorism and, and truly 
hunted down like animals and, and being killed just for being female, being a child, or being Jewish. Um, none of those things are right. And I don't care who you are or what you believe in. At the end of the day, every human deserves the same respect. And um, there's there terrorism should just be across the board for all nations. It, it should be a hard stop. Um, and I, I'm I'm just happy that that our president and our uh, nation is taking a hard stance against it. So couldn't agree with you more. Well I, said. And I think it was great to hear. Uh, Hannah, thank you so much for the telephone call. That was before we get back to the phones, Jimmy. Another thing that kind of stood out a little bit is when the president made reference late in the speech to hatred here. Mm-hmm. And and I think that I'm glad you mentioned that. that yeah, was, that was a piece of that. You know, going to what Hannah just said about recognizing that that kind of terrorism, that kind of hatred, and that kind of violence do reverberate. It doesn't stay there. Yeah. Um, did he? I I believe he said. Sometimes I I have to remember what he said versus what I have already seen attributed yeah. to him. Um, but the, there are reports today about increasing security at some of the sites here in the U.S. And I thought he made reference to that also, yeah, he that did. We're, we're looking at that. Saying that there is no place for that kind of hatred here. Uh, and and like I said, I mean, even though it, it doesn't have directly to do with what's happening right now and why we're sending these carrier strike groups into that region, that, uh, yeah, uh, that repercussions of that same kind of uh, and that same level of hatred here in the United States, I mean, we've certainly seen it. It's it's no mystery that unfortunately that kind of anti-Semitic violence is on the rise, and the you know all of the, the you know the conspiracy theory nonsense and all of the rest of it that goes into it, that stuff unfortunately is being mainstreamed by uh, you know by people who should know better and by people who have something to gain, and it's just honestly sickening. We'll keep going. Uh, if you want to get in here, feel free to give us a call. Phil, next up in Casey Mo. Howdy, Phil. Hey, hi. Say, uh, if we should commit land troops over there, it'll probably be the Marines. Like, and likely, yeah. The reason I say that is because the Marines are under the direct control of the president. You don't need to go through Congress on the Marines. And the second thing is that, and this is a wild card, if Iran gets pulled into this, which could very well happen if Israel decides to go after them or or if Hezbollah gets involved, uh, you know, I don't know. I think all bets are off if it gets to that point. But th- this this war is escalating, and uh, there's no telling what could happen in the long run. But but uh, we shall see, I guess, what takes place. But anyway, that's what I think. Looking down the road on this, could very well happen is that uh, we commit troops. It'll be the Marines, and. Uh, if Iran gets involved or Hezbollah, then Israel's probably going to go after them. And like I say, who knows what's going to happen? And you got to worry about two nuclear weapons being introduced into this conflict. Well, I, yeah, I wouldn't hold my breath on that. Phil, thanks a lot. Uh, um, make no mistake, Iran and Hezbollah are involved in this. They they have been since the beginning of it. And to to figure that the you know that Iran was not 
I mean, they've been a state sponsor of terrorism forever, and since 1979 at least. So for uh, you know for them to be involved in planning, that's enough. And they've got a lot to answer for in this because there's every reason to believe that the rockets that are are there in the Gaza Strip that were being fired into Israel, uh, into into Israeli territory, were uh, were furnished by. Uh, Hezbollah through Iran. So they're already involved. I mean, to, to the extent that we're effectively doing the same thing and restocking munitions, at least we're doing it in the daylight where Iran tried to hide this as much as they possibly could uh, and so that the attack itself would be successful. And from their standpoint, it was. But whether that brings us closer to having boots on the ground, and I hate that cliche, but sorry, yeah. uh, it's really the only one that fits. I, I still have to believe that, you know, and maybe it's just me whistling past the graveyard and hoping against hope here that that's still a long way off. Um, well, you got to think that that would have to be provoked by something. Yeah. More than what has already happened. And, and at this point, I mean, from from a military standpoint, there's no reason. Israel's right. Israel's got this. Yeah, um, they've done this before. They've been de- defending themselves against much larger forces again since 1947. So, uh, I mean, you you look at the Six Day War. There's a reason why it only lasted six days. Is because Israel kicked their butt, and they'll do it again. Um, yeah, I also wonder. Uh, have you heard anything in terms of other allies? Anybody else considering sending troops or or ships or anything else over that direction? No. Uh, and that, that doesn't mean that it's not happening or it's not part of the negotiations. Uh, right. One of the things about the Eisenhower is that it's been uh, going back and forth between U.S. control and NATO control for exercises. I mean, not for any military purpose, but that's been happening for months. So, yeah, will uh, will other allies be called in to to offer some kind of material support? Likely. Yeah, Washington Post just said Israeli military has summoned 360,000 reservists to fight. Yeah. Uh, the largest mobilization so since 1973, like you said earlier. So they, yeah, so they've added to it. Yesterday they were saying 300,000. Now it's 360,000. Yes. Any predictions, John, on what will happen in the next 24 hours? Huh, no. <laughs> yeah, I'm I know, it's hard. I, I, I mean, just <laughs> who could have predicted any of this four days ago? Uh, I, I think that, uh, boy, if, if there were any kind of predictions to make, it would be that uh, what we haven't seen much of yet is any kind of counterattack. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, could that happen? Sure. But the fact that Israel didn't see this coming leads one to believe that there there is no real decent intelligence as to what uh, Hamas via, again, Hezbollah and other organizations still have left in their arsenal, if anything. I mean, was this just their one, you know, throw everything at them and mm-hmm. do some damage? Maybe, but I don't, I wouldn't rest on that. And I, I think that if there is something weird that's going to happen over the next 24 hours, that's what it's going to be, is that there will be, whether it comes from the West Bank or whether it still comes from the Gaza, some kind of counterattack. We will follow it and see what happens between now and when we're back with you tomorrow. So we will uh, turn this over and be back with you tomorrow here in KMBZ.